Green Pastures are the weekly devotions published by Vineyard Boise, consisting of four parts, the reading, the reflection, the question, and the prayer. Green Pastures for Sunday, September 24th. While the dough rises. Today's scripture reading is found in Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, from the Message Translation, which reads, Another story. God's kingdom is like yeast that a woman works into the dough for dozens of loaves of barley bread and waits while the dough rises. This is God's word. One more time. Let's transport ourselves back to the first century, back to Philemon's estate, back to that gathering of first century Jesus followers who climbed around tables as they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. The apostles' teaching today coming in the form of a freshly arrived letter from their spiritual father, Paul, writing from his ongoing confinement as he awaits trial in chains and under guard. Tychicus is the carrier and the reader-slash-performer of the letter. Paulos Desmios Christou Jesu, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Apphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your house. Carisumin Kaelene, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. On Tychicus reads, until that awkward moment when Onesimus is introduced in the letter and steps into the room, as the one wronged and the one who did the wrong are suddenly brought together in intimate family space. What is Paul hoping would happen? What is his desired outcome? What is the even more than I ask he is hoping to see realized in this moment? as he expectantly awaits seemingly half a world away. Forgiveness? Reconciliation? Restoration? Manumission? Freedom? He's not asking for much, just for the world. He's doing more than merely navigating an interpersonal dispute, or perhaps I should say that by helping them as a distant peacemaker navigate a personal dispute involving wrongs done and forgiveness needed. He's accomplishing more than just quelling one wee squabble. He's doing something much more cosmic in scope. Ultimately, the quelling of every squabble among us accomplishes something cosmic in scope, which is why we don't have the luxury of our petty wars with one another. But there's even more at stake here. I'm going to let Sarah Rudin from her book, Paul Among the People, have the last word here. I've been waiting to give voice to these words for three weeks. And so, here they are. She writes, Paul had a much more ambitious plan than making Onesimus legally free. He wanted to make him into a human being. And he had a paradigm. As God chose and loved and guided the Israelites, he had now chosen and loved and could guide everyone. The grace of God could make what was subhuman into what was more than human. It was just a question of knowing it and letting it happen. The way Paul makes the point in his letter to Philemon is beyond ingenious. 
he equates Onesimus with a son and a brother. He turns what Greco-Roman society saw as the fundamental insurmountable differences between a slave and his master into an immense joke. Cosmic inversion just doesn't cover what is going on in this letter. The solution, the punchline of the joke that is the letter of Philemon, the climax of this farce, is God. God alone has the power to make a runaway slave a son and a brother, and in fact, to make any mess work out for the good. Not that anyone knows how, but it doesn't matter. Philemon only has to surrender to the grace, peace, love, and faith the letter urges, and the miracle will happen. Paul seems to insist that it is happening, even as he prays for it, and he's goofy with joy. Philemon cannot say no to him, because God cannot say no. He is often in his letters the nagging father, using metaphors of birth and rearing infants, boasting of his sacrifices, losing his temper, prodding, repeating, condescending, doing so many things to suggest that the outcome depends on him, not God. At first glance, he appears to do the same sort of thing here. He twists Philemon's arm by stressing his own pathetic situation and Philemon's spiritual debt to him. But he leaves Philemon without a to-do list and with only, only, an assurance of profound love and purpose. He turns his sermonizing into a bomb, presses down the detonator, and walks away, leaving glittering fragments of absurdity in place of the conviction that people solve problems. This could be called a cop-out, a pie in the sky. But in the most practical terms, he was justified. The early Christian church, without staging any actual campaign against slavery, in the course of centuries weakened it until it all but disappeared from Europe. Slavery was doomed simply because it jarred with Christian feeling, the same basic circumstance that doomed it in the modern West. But Paul is not calculating anything of the kind. He is simply turning in Onesimus and Philemon, and himself, and the whole community, to God. End of quote. Yeah, that's all Paul does. He just turns in Onesimus, and Philemon, and himself, and the whole community of Jesus' people, into God in this yeasty bomb we know as Pros Philemona, the letter to Philemon as he then presses down the detonator and walks away, leaving the glittering fragments of absurd grace cascading down upon us all ever since. Fragments functioning like that bit of leaven worked into the whole batch of dough, spreading through the whole doughy mess of this cosmos, changing the world ever so slowly through its patient ferment, upending the socially accepted fact of slavery Though we resist it mightily, each act of pushback only further working the leaven through the dough. And perhaps, maybe, just maybe, leading us to walk across the room and embrace our own estranged Onesimus, formerly useless to us, but now more than merely useful. Now, one of the least of these, my brothers, 
who embodies the very bowels, the tenderest mercies of God. So as we pause for a moment of personal reflection and prayer, ponder, how is this three-week journey through Paul's letter to Philemon personally and practically challenged you? How has it impacted your mind and heart? What practical steps of application and change has it challenged you to take? Lord, thank you for this letter, this trivial and insignificant and banal and unspiritual letter called Philemon. Philemona. Thank you for its subtle and overt lessons for the offender and the offended and the peacemaker. Let this letter unleash a relational revolution of forgiveness and reconciliation and peacemaking as far-reaching and impacting in our time and in our place, my time and in my place, as it was ultimately in theirs through your mercies.